Nation. Welcome to the Phillies Nation podcast. Episode number 37. I am Tim Malcolm, the editorial director of philliesnation.com, where you can get all of your Phillies news, rumors, information, opinion, and much more. Also the host of the podcast. Hey, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash philliesnation. We're on Twitter at philliesnation and Instagram at philliesnation underscore. We are a few days away from opening day 2018 as the Phillies go to Atlanta to play the Braves at SunTrust. The Grapefruit League season is finishing up. Phillies not performing very well as far as wins and losses are concerned. That is not what matters, however, in spring training. What matters, there are two things that matter in spring training. One is that players don't completely fall apart, performance-wise. And two is that they stay healthy. We almost saw number two come to fruition completely over the Grapefruit League season, but we've had two injuries in the last week, both on the pitching side. First, it was Jared Eikhoff, who was lost for up to six weeks to start the season. And then Mark Leiter Jr. went down with an injury as well. He will be out at least for, I guess, the first week or so. I think he is only on the 10-day, so... We'll see how long he stays on the DL. But Eikhoff is at least out for, I think, something like four to six weeks, and it looks more like six weeks. So that is a blow. And look, the Phillies didn't need starting pitching problems, obviously. They don't have a great rotation. But they did get one pitcher off and running this past week, Jake Arrieta. Arrieta started his 2018 Grapefruit League season sort of toward the end of the season, he will have, I think, one more start left in the grapefruit before he goes down to Atlanta with the team. And according to the Phillies and Gabe Kapler, they're not sure when they're going to slot him in immediately. They would like to get him in as early as possible. But the way it seems, he threw about 30 pitches in his first outing against the Tigers on Thursday. I would assume that he's going to throw something around 50 pitches in his final grapefruit start. That would mean maybe the Phillies would like to get one more outing in there for him where he's throwing something around 70 pitches. And that could be a simulated game. Maybe like four days after that final grapefruit game. And then finally he'll get in to the rotation the second time around. I don't know how it's going to work, but we did see Arietta on Thursday. He threw two innings, which is... What 30 pitches will get you. And he gave up a home run to Miguel Cabrera in the first inning. And Cabrera is one of the greatest hitters of our generation, so I'm not really worried about the fact that he gave up a home run to Miguel Cabrera. He then gave up a double in the second inning. Again, not a big deal. Uh, The pitch was very good, and it was hit a nice piece of hitting for a double. So I'm not worried too much about what we got from Ariad. In fact, I'm pretty confident he threw what looked to be a good outing. His fastball velocity was in the 90s, in the mid-90s even, touching it sometimes. And he struck two guys out in the first inning. His stuff looked fine. He didn't fall apart. He didn't look like he needed a... I mean, he didn't look like someone at the very beginning of the spring training who is really rusty and needs to get three, four more starts under his belt. He looks like somebody who has trained enough. And look, from everything we've heard, Arietta has been in the gym has been training, has been working out, has been getting ready for this every single day of the winter. He hasn't taken a break. So thankfully we have somebody who 
one of the most, I think from what I've heard, one of the most serious competitors as far as keeping his body in the right shape, keeping himself in the right form of preparation. So that's great. And he comes in, spring training, feeling, looking like he's ready to go. 30 pitches look fine. Hopefully he gets 50 pitches in his next start, and then we can see what happens from there. Maybe he does throw one more time in the in, 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 before he gets to actual gameplay. Uh, maybe they do throw him in there in that first time around, and he throws in New York or something like that. But from from everything I've gathered, it seems like they'll at least get him into that second turn. So we're talking about that first homestand of the year, maybe when they're playing uh, the Marlins. I think they play the Marlins in that second week. So something something around then is when we'll maybe see Jake Arrieta pitching in a Phillies uniform in the regular season. Otherwise, we've had relatively decent pitching, I would say, from the guys that we've expected. Aaron Nola has been great. He's been great this spring. Um, 18 innings for Nola, 3-5-0 ERA. 18 strikeouts and three walks. I don't think you can ask for anything more. He's been exactly who we want him to be. And look, if Nola is healthy, if he looks, if he does, if, if he's anything like he was last year and he's healthy, he's going to be one of the better pitchers in the National League this year and a dark horse, if not a true Cy Young contender. He's really good. He's at a point now where we're, 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 we're possibly going to see him take that next step up into being one of the best starters in the majors. So, Aaron Nola, fantastic spring. Behind him, Ben Lively's had a great spring. 19 innings, 2.84 ERA, 13 strikeouts to two walks. It seems as if he will at least be part of that first turn with Arietta coming back and Eikhoff out. They need a fifth pitcher. Ben Lively looks like he will be that fifth pitcher no matter what from the beginning. And with Eikhoff out for six weeks, he'll probably be able to stay up there for a little while as long as he's fine. But Lively's had a really good spring. There was a great piece by Ben Harris from The Athletic a couple weeks ago looking at what makes Ben Lively really good. How his fastball location helps him be a better pitcher. He throws a lot up in the zone, which is something that has happened. Last year or two, we've seen pitchers throw more in the higher third of the zone sort of as a response to the launch angle revolution where hitters have been taught to swing sort of in this, you know, not an uppercut per se, but on a more sort of upward plane, sort of somewhere between an uppercut and a line drive because we've learned through data that that sort of launch angle is what helps you get more lift out of the ball and gets you more home runs, and that is why the home runs are up. One of the reasons. I don't think we can uh, sugarcoat that the ball has been probably juiced over the past year or two or three. So Ben Lively has responded to that with a high fastball. He also, because he is so tall and long, he's able to get in front a little bit more than most pitchers are on the mound. And so that fastball, it takes a little bit less time for it to get to the plate than other pitchers' fastballs. So while Lively's fastball is a low 90s fastball, it looks more like a mid-90s fastball just because there's that extra millisecond or two that that is taken away because Lively is taller than most pitchers and he's more out in front of the mound than other pitchers. It's very little stuff and and it's and I mean these are the values at the margins that Gabe Kapler likes to talk about that we're trying to find as Phillies as the Phillies are trying to find and Lively is taking advantage of that with his length. So that is one thing to look at with Lively and how good he's been is that he is able to get 
a little bit more in front than other pitchers can, and that helps him get a little bit more velocity, and it helps just a little bit more of that sort of the movement that he needs to get batters to have to make quicker decisions and then make outs uh, and strike out because his stuff is just deceptive enough to get guys out. So that that helps, and that is going to potentially help him in 2018. Beyond that, you know, Vince Velasquez finally getting over the 10 inning mark. He's been fine this off season, this spring training, but we I I would have liked to have seen him get more out of his performances. I'm worried that he's not going to be able to get more than 3 innings in a start. You know, I mean he didn't get that in spring. I mean, he'll get more than that, but can he go through 4, 5, 6 innings? That is the big question. He's got to get to 6, 7 innings if he's going to be a real part of this rotation going forward, not just talking about now, but 2019 and beyond, he has to be able to go quality start, quality start, quality start. If he only goes four or five innings, that's not going to work. So just 10 innings from him in those four outings that he's had, strikeout to walk ratio has been fine, but he's thrown a lot of pitchers, pitches he's labored. So we just can't have that happen. Zach Eflin has been off and on, given up a lot of hits in his 14 innings. Nick Pavetta has been off and on as well. Strikeout ratio is 2 to 1. Strikeout to walk ratio is 2 to 1. So we'd like to see that get better. And hopefully it does improve in the regular season. Many people believe, believe this is his breakout year. I'm not so sure. I need to see it happen in real time. All of the metrics, all of the data that we have on Pavetta says this guy is capable of being a great pitcher. Like Lively, he has that rising fastball. The difference between him and Lively is that Pavetta can get that velocity up into the mid-90s, even the late 90s. So that's great. The other thing that Pavetta has going for him is he has a great breaking ball. That slider is a good pitch. That curveball is a working good pitch. But he has to have control of those pitches. When I've seen him pitch in spring training, he has not had control of those pitches. And they've been going all over the place. And if you don't have control of your breaking pitches, it doesn't matter how good they are. If you walk guys and give up hits, you're going to last only three, four innings to start. And you're not going to be efficient. And you're not going to stay in the rotation for long. So Pavetta, we need to see more out of them. We need to see him control those breaking pitches. We need to see him use that fastball to his advantage. And we need to see him go deep into games on a consistent basis. Right now, what we have is Nola and, assuming, Arietta. And I believe somewhat in Lively to be a competent starter, a back-end guy. But Velasquez, Pavetta, I'm not quite sure. Eflin, I don't know exactly what he's going to give me. Beyond that, Tom Eshelman, you know, off and on this uh, spring training, 11 strikeouts to two walks fine. But he probably needs a little bit more seasoning in AAA. And plus, we want to see what we can get out of Pavetta, Velasquez, and, and Lively. Beyond that, it's kind of up for grabs. Drew Hutchinson's had a pretty decent spring. Does he make the team? I'm not sure. Maybe they'd rather go with Hutchinson as a long man. But then are you going to carry nine guys in your bullpen? Or will it be eight? Because right now you have, I think for sure, Pat Neshek, Tommy Hunter, Edger Ramos, Hector Neris. Garcia's in there. That's five. Morgan is six. Holby Milner is seven. Is your eighth guy going to be Hutchinson? Jake Thompson, does he make the bullpen? So there are some decisions they're going to have to make. And we will find out in the next week whether the Phillies are going to keep eight relief pitchers or nine relief pitchers. 
and how that will affect the starting rotation. But to me, it looks like you're going to have Nola, Arietta, Velazquez, Pavetta, and Lively. And the bullpen, as I said, Neshek, Hunter, Garcia, Ramos, Naris, Morgan, Milner. If there's an eighth guy, I'd imagine that that guy would right now be Hutchinson. But you also have to think about Jake Thompson, who has been pretty good this spring training. Ten strikeouts, four walks, one six four ERA in 11 innings. Decisions I'll have to make over the next couple days. We did find out on Saturday that Francisco Rodriguez has been cut from the team. Makes sense. Eight walks, five strikeouts, and six innings and change. Not good out, uh, Not good performance from Francisco Rodriguez, who the Phillies were given a shot to, but he just doesn't have it in the tank anymore. And besides that, the Phillies don't really have many pitchers left that they're having out there to compete this spring. Victor Arano has looked pretty decent, but it looks like he will probably start the year in AAA Lehigh Valley. So that's what your pitching staff looks like. Probably 13 men, potentially 14, but I would think 13 men is what they'll go with, and you'll have to make a decision between Thompson and Hutchison. Meanwhile, on the offensive side, we know most of the offensive alignment right now. There's a decision they'll have to make between Cameron Rupp and Andrew Knapp. I'm imagining that they're trying to still dangle Cameron Rupp. I don't know if that's going to work because nobody's taking him. Both Rupp and Knapp have had tough spring trainings. Rupp is hitting just 206 with a 289 on base percentage as of Saturday. 13 strikeouts, 3 walks. And Andrew Knapp really hasn't been much better. In fact, you could say he's been worse. 167 with a 250 on base percentage. 417 slug, which is a little bit better than Rupp. 8 strikeouts, 2 walks. So both have been pretty terrible. And so what do you go with? Do you go with a veteran who's been around the team a lot longer with Cameron Rupp? Or do you say, you know what? It's time to move on with Knapp. He knows the younger pitchers. And he's got better plate skills at this point. Knapp is a better choice. But is he the more appropriate choice is a different question. And if the Phillies don't get anything for Cameron Rupp, if they don't find a team who wants to take him, do they want to put him in Lehigh Valley and hurt his value and then get to a point where they have to DFA him? I mean, you're at a point where I think the Phillies, they might not be able to get anything at all for him. So they face another challenge there. I almost say keep Rupp on the Major League squad, let Knapp start the year in AAA because you're not hurting Knapp's value as much. And I would rather have Knapp on the team, but it makes more, I think, logical sense for the Phillies just to go that route. Meanwhile, the rest of the team... Relatively set now. So you have Santana at first. You have Hernandez at second. Shortstop's Crawford. Third base is Franco, who has finally picked it up here over the last week. He's had a tough spring as well. 192, 208 on base percentage. Look, those numbers look bad. But he has five home runs. And over the last couple of days, he's really hit the ball well. A lot of talk about him changing his launch angle, changing his swing. We'll see what happens. We can only see what happens. I want him to turn it around more than anybody else. But I know there's a lot of people who want to see... Moving on. Just move on from Michael Franco. Well, I'd like to see it a couple more months. Give him one more chance. Because if he does turn it around and that that swing takes and he is a different player, we're looking at a guy who's in the middle of the lineup for years. 
You can't give up on that easily. But he's got to show it. He's got to show it over the next three, four months. If not, it's time to move on. Yeah, absolutely. But we got to see what we can get from him the next couple months. Outfield, Williams, Altair, Hoskins, Odubel Herrera. Those are obvious. Pedro Florimon looks like he's going to be on the team. The Phillies did pick up his contract, so it looks like he'll be there. 316, 409, 553. Great spring. Will it hold into the regular season? I don't know. Probably not. But he's a warm body. He plays a lot of positions. Outfielder who could play the middle infield. That's very good. And he's done that for a while. He was on the team last year. Played well last year for the Phils offensively. So he gets a shot very likely. So that right there is 10 guys. And you count the backup catcher, whoever that is, that's 11. We're looking at one more spot to fill if we're going with 13 pitchers. So then the we've seen over the past couple of days, Adam Rosales has been let go. Ryan Flaherty has been let go. Danny Ortiz has been let go. Colin Calgill, forget him. We're basically down to two guys, Jismel Valentin and Roman Quinn. Valentin, 268, 362, 585. Three homers, 11 RBI. He's shown some power this spring, which is great to see. Also, four doubles. He's been really good. Plays in multiple positions. Second base shortstop. A little bit of third base, even. And he could probably play a little bit of corner outfield. Roman Quinn, center fielder, right field, left field. Can play some shortstop. 235, 366, 324. Home run, four RBI. Five stolen bases. Caught once. Quinn's more speed. Quinn is more getting on base and making things happen. Valentin is maybe maybe a little more well-rounded, but again, Valentin was always known for his glove, not necessarily for his bat, so that could be very hollow. It's just that he's shown that power in spring. Personally, I'd rather go with Roman Quinn. I think he's exciting. I think he's awesome. I think he's fun to watch. The big deal is he's got to stay healthy, but you know what? We're at a point with Roman Quinn where it's almost as if let him go. And if he gets hurt, that's on him. But you got to let him play in the majors. He had a cup of coffee in 2016. He looked great. And a lot of us felt that this is someone that can challenge for a spot in 2017. He got hurt. Let him start the year in the, in the major leagues. Make him the fifth outfielder. Pinch running. A little bit of pinch hitting here and there. Defensive, uh, defensive substitutions. Late in games. Whatever it takes. Give him that Michael Bourne role back in 2007. See what he can do. Because this is a guy who could potentially be an everyday player. And he's at a point where the Phillies have to kind of give him a role or let him move on. So I would like to bring him up now. Jesmo Valentin can stay in the minors for a little bit longer. The other question, of course, is Scott Kingery. And he's had an incredible spring, 383, 408, 702 slugging percentage, four homers, seven RBI, 12 strikeouts to two walks, which is the thing. The Phillies can look at that strikeout ratio and say, you know what? It's too high. Of all Phillies this spring, he's had the second most strikeouts. Only Aaron Altair has had more. Actually, the third most. Cameron Rupp has 13, so I should have known that. But Kingery has struck out a lot. And the Phillies could look at that and say, you know what? He needs more time in Lehigh Valley to just let's get his play discipline to where we want it to be in AAA. But also, let's see him play third base. Let's see him play center field. Let's see see him play shortstop. See him play right field. Get him in there in a bunch of different positions. 
And then when it's time to bring him up, he can play every position. And I think the Phillies can find a way to get him in there four times a week starting. One day he's at second, one day he's at right, one day he's at shortstop, one day he's at third base. He spells Franco for a game. He spells Crawford for a game. He spells Hoskins for a game and left. Whatever it is. But you get him in there. You get his bat in there. His defense will take in most of those positions. I have a piece that went up on Phillies Nation just a couple days ago about what we can expect from Kingery when he makes the Phillies. Great defense. He's fast. Typically, he's attempted at least 30 steals a year for the past couple years as a professional. And his stolen base success rate has hovered just around 82% for the past couple years. It's almost consistent as far as each level. So in AAA, he's had an 82% success rate. In AA, he's had an 82% success rate. Even in college for a season, he had an 82% success rate. The guy is consistent when it comes to stealing bases. So you're going to see a guy who is good defensively, in fact, great defensively, and plus-level runner who can steal bases on his own accord. And the Phillies, I think, will let him fly. They'll look at the data. They'll look at what Kingery can give them and say, you know what? We trust you to make the right decisions on the base pass. And he'll get his 82%. Beyond that, you'll see the contact rate maybe dip a little bit in the beginning, but it'll get back to where it should be. Same thing with the power. It's it's still growing. It's still evolving. So we won't see him maybe be a 20 home run hitter yet. But I think that could potentially happen in the next year or two. Kingery's a really good player. And it's no secret he will be part of the Phillies' future. And he will be the second baseman at some point in the future. But right now, I think you got to, if you're the Phillies, look at that situation and say, can we get him in four days a week? If so, bring him to Philly. Bring him to Philly. Give him major league experience. Let him get 25 plate appearances a week, which I think could happen. So right now, your team looks like that. Alfaro, I would say Rupp, but maybe Nap. Santana, Hernandez, Crawford, Franco, Williams, Altair in the platoon, Hoskins in left, Herrera, Florimon, and I would say Quinn gets the job over Valentin. And that's your squad. Atlanta is where they start. It's going to be fun. Thursday, Nola's on the mound. What do we expect? A lot of people are already saying that the Phillies could challenge for the wild card. I've seen tweets from experts. I've seen already just a few of those websites that do a lot of projections saying the Phillies could be a mid-80s winning team. I thought when they got Arietta that they were an 81-win team. I think that's where they stand today. I think their potential is somewhere in that 80 to 83 win range, probably. And if a couple things break right, let's say Crawford is who we think he can be. Let's say maybe Kingery comes up and makes a difference. Let's say Pavetta or Velasquez become a real number three quality starter. And maybe the Phillies make a move at the trade deadline to bolster the rotation. 
This could be an 87-88 win team. Yes. But right now, as we look at this team, I can't see 87-88. I can see 80-81. I can see 82. But I don't see enough out of the guys that we're not quite sure of yet to make me believe that this is an 87-win team. We haven't seen a full season of Reese Hoskins. We haven't seen a full season of J.P. Crawford. We haven't seen a full season of Nick Williams or Jorge Alfaro. We really haven't seen a full season of Vince Velasquez yet <laughs> or, or, or Nick Pavetta. I mean, we've seen a lot of them, but we haven't seen them consistent over the course of the year. All these things need to come together. We need to get some questions answered, and we will this year because this is the time where we're going to see the team say, you know what, if these don't work, we're going to make that change. And next offseason, we're going to see totally different players in here because the players that we had didn't make it work. But this team is capable of doing some really great things. And I think the very end of the spectrum, there is wild card team possibility. But a lot of things have to go right. And what we know to be true in baseball is that typically some things go right, some things go wrong. And a lot of things go somewhere in the middle. At the end of the day, your team is kind of what you thought it would be in the start of the year. There are a couple exceptions. There always are. And I think a lot of people think that the Phillies are that exception this year. Like the 15 Astros. Or the 16 Astros. The 15 Astros. The 15 Astros. The team that goes from 60-some wins to you know 90 overnight. Like last year's Twins. I don't know if they're that team yet. If they win like 75 this year, I think next year they're the team that goes from 75 to 90. But I don't know if they're the team that goes from 66 to 90. I think they're a team that can go from 66 to 83 and be a September 15th contender for a wild card before dropping out within a week. But we'll see. Interesting year ahead of us. Exciting year ahead of us. We know a lot of things to be true. Aaron Nola is great. Aaron Nola is great. Reese Hoskins could be really great. Scott Kingery could be really great. J.P. Crawford could be really great. A lot of these guys can be really great. A couple of those things work out. This year, yeah, we have something here that looks like an 81, 83, 85-win team. But don't get too high yet we'll have a lot of season preview stuff to do over the next week I want to do a couple more of these minisodes but I wanted to kind of come in here and say okay here's what we're doing right now at spring training here's where the team's at Arietta's done this we've seen this from the offense here's what the roster probably looks like we're getting there we're finally on the doorstep of opening day a couple days away we'll do one more of these probably before Thursday and then maybe one more big podcast on Thursday uh, as we really start the season off. And then we'll do a mailbag. A lot of stuff happening this week. Opening day is coming a couple days from now. So I hope you enjoyed my rambling. This has been the Phillies Nation podcast. We will see you next time. I am Tim Malcolm. Goodbye. Goodbye.